Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We're on our third lesson of the In the Crucible with Christ quarter, quarter three of the year. This week's lesson is titled The Birdcage. And that title, Pastor title. Howard, yeah, it comes from the story that Sister White told, the illustration from Ministry of Healing, page 472, mm-hmm. which is recorded on Sabbath afternoon's lesson. Yes. Essentially, the idea being that, you know, a, a, a bird that you want to teach a song in the full light of day won't learn it. But if you cover it and put it through a dark time, it'll learn to sing the song you want it to sing. And it'll keep it and for it the rest of its life. always remember, yeah. That's exactly right. So, it's an, an interesting way to introduce this idea. But essentially, the purpose of this week's lesson is to explore the fact, the reality, that the Lord not only walks with us through hardship but that he sometimes purposely leads us into difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. He's not just accompanying, he's directing. Right. And so... Uh, and we'll see a, a you know, tra- a pickup from last week's lesson, yes. just building on that same... And I have noticed topic. that in this quarter's studies, they really are, there's a lot of overlap to previous lessons. I mean, it's a pretty narrow topic about right. suffering and conflict, so we're going to end well, up with some of the same the, passages. And the purpose but, of trials is the purpose of trials, and there's... A, yeah. Only, only so, many, so ways. many ways you can slice it. <laughs> yeah. so. But so we're still going to have a blessed study, I'm yes. sure of it. Can you start with a word of prayer? Let's pray. All right. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the privilege we have of studying your word and helping to teach it to others. I want to pray especially for our teachers who are preparing, that you would bless them in their preparations and that your spirit would especially guide their minds and their words as they conduct classes that would help people to gain confidence in you in their trials and Lord, that they would not lose their hope, uh, but have a that that uh, constant hope of heaven, and that they would also be able to be a blessing to those around them who fall into trials as well. We ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. In this lesson of the bird cage, I was able to draw out three different distinct talking points. Because if you go through the lesson, you'll notice that uh, just overview real quickly on Sunday and Monday. It gives examples from the from God's leading of ancient Israel, the Red Sea and the right. waters of Merah and Rephidim. Then we get into Tuesday where it says the great controversy in the desert, which you would think would be about Israel, but it's actually Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit into his wilderness experience. We'll look right. at that. And then essentially Wednesday and Thursday are days of application of the lesson. So it made some pretty clear talking points, at least in my mind. And number one is that God led ancient Israel. Okay, we take that from Sunday and Monday, and it seems like an incidental thing, but it's got a really deep uh, purpose behind it. We'll get into that. Well, how many times did the Israelites accuse Moses of being the leader when things didn't go the way they wanted <laughs> sure. them to go? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you let us out here. Uh, hold on a minute. Slow down. Exactly. The because Lord's it leading. didn't seem to them like the way that they were going was the way they should have gone. That's exactly right. Anyway, talking point number two, God led Jesus like he led ancient Israel. Okay, so building on Israel, Jesus was the same way. We take that from Tuesday's lesson. And then uh, finally, talking point number three, God leads us as he did Israel and Jesus. So it's a very simple progression this week. We're looking at God's leading of Israel and this thing that's a model for how to let Jesus. And then surprise, surprise, is exactly how he leads us. What are the odds? Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go back into this. Uh, God led ancient Israel. Now, we sometimes might take that for granted, but think about it from the ancient Israelites' perspective. As they have seen Egypt fall under the um, plagues of the Lord, right. and they make their exit, you would assume that 
oh, all the bad was in Egypt, and now we're under the guidance of the Lord, and <laughs> right. so nothing but, but sunshine and roses ahead, right? But the very first place he leads them is to the edge of the Red Sea. And you've got the mountains on one side, the sea ahead, you've got Pharaoh's army pressing in. And why did the Lord choose to do it that way? Um, and the next thing you see is Merah and Rephidim, and there's no water to drink. One was the bitter water. And, and the lesson only pointed out these two, but you could go through experience after experience where right. they were hungry, they were thirsty, they were in danger, they were taking a circuitous route. It wasn't as direct, mm-hmm. it took too long. And as you brought up, time and again, the people would lose heart, lose faith, get frustrated, complain and murmur, take out their their, their issue with Moses, when really their issue was the God who was leading mm-hmm. Moses to lead them, you know. Um, I, I still, yeah. the thing that always comes to my mind is the rebellion of Korah, when the earth opens up and swallows up the yes. rebels, and they blame Moses for it. <laughs> How did that work? But yes. it's just very because God wouldn't do or lead this way or whatever else. Kind of what you're well, and there's this. The there Lord is was the this leader. expectation, and I wanted to kind of get to this. Go to Exodus chapter 17. I've got it in the notes mm-hmm. there. But if you would read Exodus chapter 17, verse one. Then all the children of the then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin. According to the commandment of the Lord. Oh, keep going. Uh, go to verse 7, because seven's got the high point, I'm sorry, but 1 and through 7. And they came yeah. to Rephidim, where there was no water. Verse 7 says, So he called the name of the place Amasa and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Aha. So, see, in my estimation, that question <laughs> that was the, the, their refrain how can we be, you know, stuck here with either bitter water or no water at all? How can we be wandering around? Isn't the Lord with us or not? Is the Lord with us or not? You know, we think about it. I, what comes to my mind is the pillar of, always the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Right. Like they had a visible representation yeah. of the Lord's presence. You're like, how ignorant. But how many tokens do we have around us, yes. honestly, of the Lord's uh, guidance and leading you know, so we want to point fingers at them, but the reality is it's so easy when things don't mm-hmm. go our way to say, well, is the Lord in this or not? Right. Despite all the evidences that he's with us. And he's talking about the parallel to last week's study. We talked about how, and we've studied the scriptures very clear, that we shouldn't be surprised right. when challenges come up. But the children of Israel needed to learn that lesson that God was trying to teach them that, well, I don't want to get too much into the mm-hmm. application point yet, but... This underlines this point that God was not merely accompanying Israel as they aimlessly wandered through the desert and protecting them and feeding them when necessary. Right. He was purposefully leading them. Why right. did he go to the yeah, Red Sea? Right. He had a point. Why the bitter water instead of fresh water? Mm-hmm. Why dry land with no water? Yes. Why not food? Why? Because he was trying to teach them something. So it wasn't just incidental that God was there. It was purposeful. That's right. Okay? So... Um, the quarterly brings out this really succinct point in uh, Sunday, paragraph three. It says, following the pillar doesn't assure us of constant happiness. And ha- what an applicable thing for us today. Following the Lord doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Constantly. Constantly. Now, 
we could get into the difference between ultimately, joy. Ultimately, we will yeah, be. Ultimately, <laughs> and and there's can be an abiding and, peace yes. that passes understanding. We can have joy in and all happy times and happy times, but happiness and everything always going great is a false expectation yes. of the Christian life, right? Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 31, if you would, please. Oh, I'm sorry, you are closed up your Bible. That's okay. I can open it again. That's the great thing about Bibles. That's right. Exodus 14, what? Verse 31, please. Verse 31 says, Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt, so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now, the context for this is right after they've come through the Red Sea. Because yeah. before the Red Sea, they were terrified, you know. And right. the, but then he opens the Red Sea and he closes it on Pharaoh and his army. And then they come out like, oh, now we see. Things we get move it. in their favor. Exactly. And then yeah. they believe it. Well, what, that was the whole purpose was to get them to trust in the Lord's leading. Yet the next thing, they fail again. They fail again. But he's trying to build this um, this attitude of trust. In fact, Review right. and Herald, April 7, 1903. It's also found in Friday's lesson. Would you yeah, read that for us? It says, But of old the Lord led his people to Rephidim, that he may choose, and he may choose to lead us there also to test our loyalty. He does not always bring us to pleasant places. If he did, in our self-sufficiency, we should forget that he is our helper. He longs to manifest himself to us and to reveal the abundant supplies at our disposal. And he permits trial and disappointment to come to us that we may realize our helplessness and learn to call upon him for aid. Look at that, though. If he did, that is, if he did always lead us in pleasant places, in our self-sufficient, we should forget that he's our helper. We would just we wouldn't call on him. We yeah, wouldn't. We, yeah, we would just glide into yeah, same old, same old, how regular, many normal. times <laughs> what? person watching today, even among us, how, how many times has that happened in our lives? So true. You just get, in fact, Ellen White makes a statement where she says that the reason we don't see more of the work of the Holy Spirit in the church is, we, is many, and I think it may be in the context of ministers, have learned to do without it. That's right. And so is that, like, seriously, but we do. Yes. This is the nature of of sinful fallen humanity. Right. It would just become routine. It would be go the, that self-sufficient. Self-sufficient, right. I got this. All right. So that was Israel's experience that God didn't just mm-hmm. merely accompany. He led for the purpose of teaching them this sufficiency that he only yes. can provide. Okay. That's talking point number one. The next thing builds on that, that God led Jesus like he led ancient Israel. And That's right. So we go in the lesson from uh, Tuesday, uh, Sunday and Monday about their wilderness wanderings and experiences to another desert encounter, but this time it was with Jesus in the wilderness. Now the lesson you is, might be led to ask, "What's the tie-in?" But you're going <laughs> to well, share yeah, a and that's tie-in. the thing is that the lesson doesn't bring this out, but I'm going to throw just a little extra credit stuff in here for you because I think it's fascinating. There is a striking parallel between the experience of ancient Israel that they had to go through and the experience that God led Jesus through in his earthly life and ministry, okay? Break For it down, example, Cameron. and there's so many more than this. This is just yes. a handful of them, okay? But in both stories, both instances include a man named Joseph who had dreams and led his family to live in Egypt. What are the odds? Mm-hmm. And if that was the only one, you're like, well, that's a slant rhyme. Yeah. We're trying to force yeah. something. Let's just keep going. Both ancient Israel and Jesus grew in and then were called out of Egypt. You see that in Hosea right. 1 and then Matthew 25. Out of Egypt I have called right. my son. Okay. And Hosea 
takes this passage um, that or the experience of Israel mm-hmm. that you would expect in Hosea's day to be applied to Israel. Mm-hmm. And Matthew takes that statement and says, yeah, that applied to Jesus. Right. Same exact thing. Hosea says that was Israel, and Matthew says, yeah, yeah, and that was Jesus. He takes the scripture and applies it to Jesus. Out of, Je- out of Egypt I called my son. Now, after their Egypt departure, the Bible confesses that both were baptized at the beginning of their journey or ministry. 1 Corinthians 10 talks about how Israel was baptized through the cloud and through the sea, right? Mm-hmm. In Matthew chapter 3, that's exactly what Jesus experienced, his baptism experience. Now, for our lesson today, both ancient Israel and Jesus, immediately following their baptism experiences, mm-hmm. okay, were led through a time of temptation in the wilderness by which God intended to test their faith. Mm. So all the things we just saw out of Egypt, he calls them out of Egypt, he reads them to the Red Sea, the baptism experience, and welcome to the wilderness of temptation. That's and right. how did the ancient Israel do? They complained, they murmured, they grumbled. So it's interesting that, you know, you see this on a personal level with the two Adams, mm. where the Bible talks. Of course, you've got Adam and his fall, and then yes. Christ comes as the last Adam, according to the New Testament. And we see that. But now in a corporate sense, yes, we see Jesus embodying the nation of Israel. So when Jesus came, and some have looked at this in, for example, the temptation in the wilderness, and his three temptations, mm. he's overcoming where Adam failed. Yes. But in the same way... He's representing the entire nation of yes. people who have failed. So it's fascinating as you look at that aspect. Yeah, the, the, of it. Parable is, the parallels are incredible. And it is kind of a parable, if you will. <laughs> but in both instances, you have the, to the, our, the point of this week's lesson is that God wasn't just observing this happening or even um, accompanying them along right. the way. He's not just God with them, He's the one leading. I mean, you think about what we just saw in ancient Israel. There was literally a pillar of cloud and fire, and whenever they went, they went. So it wasn't coinkydink that they ended up the Mm -hmm. Red Sea. The same thing with Jesus. The Bible says that after his baptism, that he, a couple of different, I think it's Matthew and and Luke both say that he was um, led by the Spirit into the, Mark goes so far as to say, is the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. That God had an appointment, there was a divine appointment with him in the wilderness. Right. And he, like this was a planned, he needed to go here and right. face this experience. Exactly. And in right. John chapter 5, uh, why don't you uh, look this one up. John chapter 5, verse 30. What does Jesus say about his own daily experience, his own ministry? Because uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a subset of Christian study called Christopraxis. How did Jesus do and how, know what to do and why did he do it when he did it? Um, was he... Did he have foreknowledge and stuff? Was there a script laid out? And yes, there was a script laid out called the Great Controversy. But in in the daily experience of his life, how did Jesus know stuff and know what to do? Well, he confesses it. John chapter five verse. John chapter yeah. five verse thirty. Jesus says, "I can of myself do nothing. Mm. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me." Mm. So the Father's will is being worked out through Christ, and Christ says, I'm on His direction, whatever I do here, Mm -hmm. right? So why would God lead ancient Israel and Jesus through these challenging circumstances? I believe, and the lesson I think Mm -hmm. brings this out nicely, is that for both, it was the purpose of character development. Mm -hmm. Now, Israel, of course, was sinful and needed to change and become... But Christ, though sinless, still needed to grow in his experience 
you know, the Bible speaks of That's him right. growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man and may, being made perfect through sufferings, that this was God's divine arrangement to bring out that character uh, in each one of us and Christ as well. Well, we saw that a little bit last week's lesson when we talked about the purification. Yes. The purpose of trials being purification, which inevitably we're going to see throughout this whole quarter. I'm sure. Because that's the purpose of trials. Next, I know next week's lesson builds on it a little bit uh, on what you just said here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, clearly, I mean, if God did lead, which the Bible says he mm-hmm. did, both Israel and Jesus, for a purpose, I think it's evident in light of what we've already looked at that that purpose must be the refining of character. Now, it's an interesting thing to look at with Jesus. Yeah. Because, like, did he need his character refined? You know, so mm-hmm. we can have some I'm big sure discussion be on that. I'm sure a lot interesting. But... But the Bible does tell us in Hebrews, from our little quarterly study, that he <laughs> learned obedience through the things that he suffered. In fact, you had a passage. Yeah, there. look at... Uh, I have Hebrews 2.10 in there, yeah. uh, in 11. Why don't you read that one for it? Yeah, for it was fitting for him... For whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. That's speaking of Jesus, the Mm -hmm. captain, to make him perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So Christ stepped into our world and our experience in that world and actually walked through in a real incarnate life experience what we would have to go through so that he's not ashamed to call it. He knows what it's like to be there and he walked through the same challenges that we do and the Lord made him perfect, it says, through suffering. That's right. And the passage talks about Jesus being sanctified and those who are being sanctified referring to us. Mm -hmm. And most people are familiar with the statement Ellen White makes. I don't have reference to it. In fact, she makes it in many places that sanctification is the work of a lifetime. But interestingly, in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 223, she says that the work of character uh, development is the work of a lifetime. Basically making and the equivalence so, between character development and so sanctification. So this is, this is what we're talking When we're talking about sanctification, mm-hmm. I mean, what is sanctification? It's the process through which God develops our characters and, mm-hmm. and makes them Christ-like. Yes. So this, is, this is, was his purpose in leading um, uh, Israel. And in, the, in Jesus himself, he was the representative man. So in his humanity, he had to walk that path that then we would walk. Exactly. And I also have the passage and there, vice versa. Deuteronomy chapter 8, speaking of ancient Israel, where it talks about, why did he do all this stuff to you? It says, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know and your fathers mm-hmm. knew, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Which, interesting, that's the exact passage Jesus quoted to Satan in that wilderness of <laughs> temptation. Right. He's like, I'm the lesson he wanted to teach Israel, I know and I'm going to live by and it's fascinating. Yeah, and we could go on to say, you know, the the one who was leading Israel in the Old Testament was Christ. Yes. And that this he was living out now and modeling yes. what was expected of humanity, what 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 they could have, would have, should have done <laughs> then. Well, and which, by his grace can do which drives to the self-evident application then. Okay, so if the Lord led Israel that way, that's right. And the Lord led Jesus that way, should we expect any different? <laughs> Thus, talking point number three, God leads yeah. us as What an he interesting did. history. Well, that was great. Yeah, exactly. Let's bow our heads in prayer. We're yeah. done. Yeah. But the application has to be screaming to us that if his own son was led that way, and that was his purpose with Israel, 
in these last days, does God not want a people who will learn those lessons and apply them in their lives so that we can be, by God's grace, like Jesus? Uh, thus, we have our First Peter 4, you know, think it not strange. Is that not? That, That's right. Yeah, that... that you fall into you these, fall into these fires, fire trials, right? Yep. It's It shouldn't be a surprise to us because the Lord, again, didn't just accompany Jesus. He directed Jesus. He didn't accompany Israel. He led Israel. And in our lives today, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to fall back, Pastor Howard, on a, well, God's with you. And that's that brings a certain amount of comfort. That's great. And it's true. But I would submit to you that God is not only with us in our suffering, but oftentimes he's purposefully leading us there for, the, for a greater purpose than we can appreciate in the moment. That's right. That he's got a bigger picture in view. You have referenced yes. in, the, in the outline, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, Peter says, And this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be. Mm. You have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. That, yeah. <laughs> what do you add what, to that? You I mean, can't really so add clear. much to that. It's just right there in Scripture. And the lesson brings this out, that we've got to keep that eternal perspective in view, right? Uh, on quarterly Wednesday, uh, paragraph three, it says, however difficult or painful our trials, we must never lose sight of the ultimate end, eternal life in a new heaven and a new earth, without pain, suffering, or death. With such a promise before us, a promise guaranteed us through the death of Jesus, how important we must not, uh, that we not lose faith, but instead, amid our trials, ask the Lord to purge us of everything and anything that stands in the way of our faith. Mm. Like, if you could go back and talk to ancient Israel and tell them something, it's like, look, guys, you, you know, look, on the other side of the Red Sea, it's going to be fine. You know, if you could keep their eyes focused on what's ahead. That's why, again, I think that Hebrews always looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. That's right. And how did Jesus? He looked beyond the cross. and His perspective was bigger. In fact, I'm thinking right now, let me just go to it in Hebrews chapter 11. While you're doing that, that statement we just looked at uh, in the quarterly, the, the, the quarterly comment is very similar to a statement we ended with last week where Ellen White said that we are to not to keep our eyes on the fire of the trial, but on the Lord and his purposes. Yes. That's essentially, the, and, and the implication, or not just the implication, she said that the fire will not consume you if you do this. That's exactly right. Implying that if you do keep your focus on the fire of the trial instead yeah. of on the Lord and those purposes, the fire might consume yeah. you, overwhelm <laughs> you, discourage you. And so, just to your point there, it's keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, understanding that he's in control, that whatever is happening is being permitted for a greater good. Uh, that will help us to to bear the trial yes. and the outcome to be what God intended for it to be. And I was thinking again of Hebrews chapter 11, how it says, speaking of these great heroes of faith, right, mm-hmm. who did amazing things, says, verse 15, and if they, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they, they would have, have had returned. opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That all these great acts of faith were done because they had a perspective 
on something greater than their immediate circumstance. Right. And how important that is in the Christian life not to get swallowed up into the immediacy, what is the tyranny of the immediate, right? It has to be taken care of now and it's drawing all my tension and my, my stress and my upheaval internal. It's all temporary where what God has is eternal. And he said, if you keep your eyes there, you will have peace for your soul. Which leads me to Second um, Corinthians chapter 4, 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. He's talking mm. about the hardships and the trials. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Yes. For the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. I wanted to close this lesson with this quarterly. Funny how the Bible makes those points so well. (laughs) Exactly. It's like it really knows what it's talking about. Um, You find this on Tuesday, paragraph two. It's from Desire of Ages, page 126. She writes, Often when placed in a trying situation, we doubt that the Spirit of God has been leading us. And time out right there. Remember from that statement mm-hmm. from Exodus chapter 17? Is the Lord yes. with us or not? Why are we in right. such difficulty? Same thing as them. Mm-hmm. But it was the Spirit's leading that brought Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And when God brings us into trial, he has a purpose to accomplish for our good. Jesus did not presume on God's promises by going unbidden into temptation. Neither did he give up to despondency when temptation came upon him. Nor should we. Christ never ran ahead or lagged behind. He just stayed with the Father in that perspective, mm, and he was carried through. And we can do the same thing. Amen. Pastor Howard, can you give us a word of prayer as we close today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the testimony of your word and from inspiration on these topics, on this topic of uh, trials and why you allow them and even lead us into them at times. And Lord, it's easy for us to talk about trials when we're not in the midst of them. Mm. Help us to have the kind of vision and faith, uh, the, 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 the eye of faith that would continue to focus on you no matter what we find situations we find ourselves in, that we may come through the process fitted for the far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, uh, the kingdom of glory, rather. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Talking Points. To make sure you don't miss a single episode, subscribe to the Talking Points podcast on all major podcast platforms. To watch Talking Points and other helpful video content, subscribe to our Emanuel Institute YouTube channel today. And finally, for all your Sabbath school, personal ministries, and public evangelism resources, visit michigansspm.org.